longs for, you're going to find in me. Everything that you really want, everything that you long for, the truest satisfaction of the human soul, you're going to find only in me. So what's our response then? If the bread of life truly satisfies, then our response has to be to identify pseudo-saviors. How many times have you asked God for a sign before you'll move forward? wanting a miracle to just make you believe. Today, Pastor Daniel will explain why, even with miracles and signs, a heart won't be changed. Starting from a place of distrust is the wrong motivation. It won't result in any spiritual growth. Listen as we hear about the true bread, the one given to all people, not for physical sustenance, but eternal. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, I am the bread of life. He's saying, listen, don't just labor for food that perishes. Don't just be earthly minded. It's not all about however many years God gives you here. Jesus says something similar in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Didn't Jesus say, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys nor where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus is saying, look, if your heart is laid up in the treasures of the earth, then the the things of nature can destroy it, moth and rust, or people can devalue it. If your greatest treasure is something that someone can steal from you or that nature can devalue, then it's purely a treasure on the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but when Jesus starts talking like that, I get a little uncomfortable, right? Because how much of our lives are completely wrapped up in purely earthly things? Now, Jesus is saying, don't take care of the earthly things. He's saying, that can't be your treasure. Now, you see why I say, can the real Jesus of Nazareth please stand up? Because so often we want to go to church and we want to hear, look, just do whatever you want to do. Just lay up all the treasures on earth. And the pastor's up there saying, listen, give money, give money. And he's in a nice suit and everything. And he's got a really done up hair and he's making, and he's making all this money. But then Jesus is like, no, 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 your treasure needs to be not here. You need to live for something greater than just this span of time, whatever it is. Jesus is challenging that way, isn't he? Jesus presses against what is the normal course of every culture. The move towards materialism and acquisition. More for me. Greater security. More for me. Jesus says, listen, 
Don't seek me for the wrong reasons. Don't seek me for the wrong reasons. Don't give up eternity for the things of this world. See, the people get the point because in verse 28 they say to him, what shall we do that we, that we may work the works of God? And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Now, because this began with social compassion, because Jesus saw them hungry and he fed them, our response, even though they followed Jesus for the wrong motives, our response should be that we should meet simple needs. Meet simple needs. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. We could come up with elaborate reasons why not to simply help people, but all they are are excuses, aren't they? Most often the reason we do not meet simple needs is because we're so preoccupied with temporal things, with trivial issues, that we are not compassionate like Jesus to actually see people and simply realize that we are just like the person we're helping. I think it was Mother Teresa said, I see the face of Jesus in the eyes of the poor people that I serve. Why? Because Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to someone in my name, you give it to who? To me. If you, someone doesn't have clothes, you give them clothes. Who do you give it to? Those are some serious words from Jesus, right? So even though in this story, in this happening in the life of Jesus, they were following him for the wrong reasons. And even some people say, oh, we can't do it because people are going to follow for the wrong reasons. No, Jesus still fed them. And Jesus' act of social compassion still led to this great revelation of who Jesus is. So our response is to meet simple needs. Now, look at what happens next. Verse 30. Therefore they say to him, what sign will you perform then? that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? Verse 31, our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now you notice verse 35. There's the I am statement. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And what do we learn? That the bread of life truly satisfies. The bread of life truly satisfies. We all identify with the words of the great English theologian who we know as Mick Jagger when he says, I can't get no satisfaction. I was actually reading an article. I guess there's a TV show, a new TV show. I don't know that I would recommend it. Seeing the review that I read about it doesn't seem like something you might want to be watching. But the show is called Satisfaction, and it's about a very wealthy family who is exploring all sorts of um, garbage trying to find happiness. We all know what that's like, don't we? 
We all know what it's like to say, there's this thing that I want. I need to be fulfilled. And we go running to all these different things to try and find satisfaction. And listen, I've done that in my life. Where you're like, if I just get this thing, if I get here, if I do this thing, then I will feel fulfilled. And you know what happens when you go and you get that thing? It doesn't fulfill, right? There's always the next thing. And there's always the next thing because the human soul is not created to be satisfied by temporal things, by simple momentary enjoyments. Our souls are much more value than that. So when Jesus says in verse 35 that I am the bread of life, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Either Jesus is absolutely out of his mind, he's lying through his teeth, or he means what he says, and he says what he means. Jesus is saying, look, the bread of life, myself, Jesus of Nazareth, I will truly satisfy the deepest longings of your life. Now, if you go back to verse 30, Jesus said, look, the work of God is that you believe in him whom he sent. Jesus is saying, you doing the work of God is believing in me. And they said, what sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Many of us are like that. We're like, Lord, show me a sign. Lord, show me something. But all through John's gospel, we're going to find that miracles and signs never change a person's heart. Only trust changes a person's heart. I'm going to say that again, because I don't want you to miss it. Signs and miracles will never change your heart. But trusting in Jesus will. Because if you need to see it to believe, your motives are wrong. And a momentary miracle, how many times does a miracle happen and all the people say, oh, that's not possible. Oh, it had to be this. It had to be that, right? Doubt comes right on in. But when we learn how to trust God, it reshapes our heart. Notice what they say. They're like, show us the sign. Now, it's amazing. Jesus just fed them with five loaves and two fish, many thousands of people. They don't know it. He just walked, he walked on water to get where he was going. That's pretty powerful. I'd never done that. They're like, show us the sign. Look at verse 31. Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. See, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And they're like, you know, can you give us some manna? Moses gave us manna. Now, how many of you have read the Old Testament? Maybe you've read the book of Exodus. Maybe you're out with us on Wednesday nights as we're going through the Old Testament. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 16. Verses 13 to 18. And so it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. 
So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's needs. Now, when the children of Israel said, what is it? That's the word manna. Literally, the type of bread was like, what is this? But now imagine this. Imagine God miraculously feeding you every morning with the dew on your lawn. I mean, I dream about that kind of stuff. Like you wake up and all of a sudden, your whole lawn is red velvet cake. You got cannoli plants in your yard. I mean, I just, I would just love it. You know, all of a sudden on that, on that nice maple tree, there's pizza, pepperoni. I mean, it's a miraculous feat. I mean, could you, man, your food budget would be awesome. I mean, literally God's giving you food every single day and everybody gathered together and everybody had more than enough of it. But you know what happened? The children of Israel start getting mad at God's provision. I'm so tired of this miraculous bread from heaven. We laugh, but, but straight up, how many of us are taking for granted God's miraculous provision. You prayed and prayed and prayed for a job, and then God gives you a job. I'm so sick of this job. <laughs> you were singing. You're like, I just can't wait to be married. God's going to bless me. And then you're like, I can't wait for that person to die. <laughs> no, I, I know you guys are good Christian folks, so you don't really think that way. Yeah, right. God knows your thoughts. He knows what's in your heart. But a lot of us are just like the children of Israel, right? We say, God, we just do this, and then God's doing it. And you're like, well, no. And Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And we're like, Lord, why don't I have my, my Dave Ramsey nest egg yet? You know, Jesus didn't pray, Lord, give us our Dave Ramsey emergency fund. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying for so often, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. You don't think Jesus was talking about the manna? Because God will provide for his own. And, and they're like, look, Moses gave us bread. What are you going to do for us? And Jesus starts to explain to them. He starts to explain to them what's going on. Look what he says. In verse 32, he says, most assuredly I say to you. Now listen, when you read most assuredly I say to you in the Bible, in some of your translations it says verily, verily I say to you, or amen, amen, I say That means Jesus is being like, listen up. That's the way you translate that in modern English. Jesus is like, hey, you. Focus. Listen. How many parents out there know what that's like with your kids? Yeah. That takes work, right? I'm like, I'm like a little Obadiah. I'm like, focus, buddy, focus. He's like, I'm, I'm listening, Dad. All right? When Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he's saying, look, focus. I'm going to tell you something really important. Listen to what he says. Most assuredly, I say to you, verse 32, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven to give life to the world. You see what Jesus says here? He's saying, look, Moses didn't do it. God did it. And the gift of bread is not in the past. It's in the present. And God wants to give you the true bread. And that true bread is God's gift to you. And they say, Lord, give us this bread always. Like, they're getting excited. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You see that? 
They wanted the true bread of God. And Jesus is like, look, that's me. Now, this is why I believe Jesus is the most controversial person in the world. This is why nobody comes down apathetic about Jesus. Because Jesus starts talking this way. And now all of a sudden we got to deal with Jesus. I remember, I, I didn't grow up in the church. Some of you know a little bit of my story. I didn't grow up in the church. I remember when I went to college. Now, I didn't grow up having a faith in Jesus or anything. And I would go into all these classes and I watch a philosophy professor and a religions of the Western world professor and all these different professors. They're all obsessed about not believing in Jesus. And at one point, I remember sitting there in this class, pretty inebriated would probably be the right word. And thinking to myself, why are all these people so upset with this Jesus guy? And then I thought to myself, there must be something there. Because why are people so obsessed with proving that Jesus isn't the Messiah? And you got to know that when people get all freaked out about proving someone's not the Messiah, you got to realize there's probably some teeth there. And that would begin my journey to say, I wonder what's really there. Why is everyone so freaked out about this guy named Jesus who died 2,000 years ago? What's the big deal? But then you read Jesus says stuff like this, and you're like, oh, I get why people are freaking out. Because Jesus is saying, look, everything that your soul longs for, you're going to find in me. Everything that you really want, everything that you long for, the truest satisfaction of the human soul, you're going to find only in me. So what's our response then? If the bread of life truly satisfies, then our response has to be to identify pseudo-saviors. You need to identify pseudo-saviors. When I say pseudo-saviors, that word pseudo means false. And what that means is that in each one of our hearts, there are things that we think will truly satisfy us, but they really won't but we all have them and we seek after them. And each one of us in our hearts have things that we think that's going to satisfy my soul. And whatever it is that's not Jesus will never truly satisfy. I know what I found with pseudo-saviors. Oftentimes our pseudo-saviors are not something that are horrendously bad. They're actually things that are good, but we think that they're going to do something different than they're meant to do. I don't know how many people I've met who their pseudo-savior is their spouse or the idea of a spouse or children or the idea of children or a career or the idea of a career. None of those things are bad, but if any of those things are meant to be the thing that gives you identity and worth, you know what you do? You set the spouse, the kids, and the job up for failure. You know why? It was never meant to fulfill you. Your spouse is meant to be your companion no matter what Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire says. Your spouse does not complete you. Jesus completes you. And your spouse enjoys that process. See, so often, so often we set our spouses up for failure because we're saying they're going to complete me. And nobody ever does. How many people have ruined relationships trying to get their spouse to be Jesus when Jesus is supposed to be Jesus and your spouse is supposed to be your companion. How many people have put all sorts of pressure on your kids because your kids need to be perfect because it validates your existence when God never meant for them growing up well is not meant to be your fulfillment. Jesus is your fulfillment and you are seeking to disciple God's kids on loan. 
How many of us place our whole identity on our jobs when our jobs is holy work that God has given us, never meant to be your fulfillment? And let's be honest, who wants to be defined by their job anyway? I mean, what kind of sickness is that? Like, like I'm going to teach second grade so good I'm going to get into heaven? I'm going to sell so many widgets? And that's going to, because I'm the salesperson of the year? Like, you realize you're of so much more value than that. And God forbid I think I'm going to preach a good sermon and get into heaven. I mean, think about that. I mean, when I get to heaven, God's going to correct all of our theology, right? I'm talking about the almighty God. Like, my friend, listen, you need to identify pseudo-saviors. What are you trying to make satisfy you which will never satisfy your soul? What are you trying to make your fulfillment that only the bread of life can be? We need to identify them. Now, look at what happens. Verse 36. Now it starts getting really, really profound. Look at what happens. Verse 36. But I say to you, that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father, except he who is from God. He has seen the father. Now, Jesus is really getting serious now. He's starting to get verbal opposition from the people listening to him. Why? Because he keeps saying, I come down from heaven. That I come to do the will of my father. He starts talking about, I will raise them up at the last day. You realize, my friends, that it is all at stake here. It's all at stake here. We're talking about life and eternal life. We're talking about this life and the next life. Jesus is talking about very serious things here. And this is why Jesus, everybody wants to make Jesus a little more palatable. Think about what he's just saying. Jesus is Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, 
with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.